the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. C2CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. There's a second tragic consequence for a person who sits in church, claims to know Christ, but hasn't been saved. There is a stricter judgment for those who know the truth about Christ and reject it. Not only is life more difficult in terms of the enslavement and the hardness of of their hearts, but when they die, there is a stricter judgment. I have talked to people like that several times. They can explain the gospel as well as if they had thought it up themselves, but they will not submit. That is scary, scary stuff. Hello and welcome. This is Verse by Verse, the radio version of Pastor Steve Kreloff's expository teaching ministry at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. It's nice to have you here today for the conclusion of our study in 2 Peter chapter 2 about the dangers of false teachers. Before Pastor Steve begins, let me set the stage. In verses 20 and 21, Peter said, If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Here's Pastor Steve now to help us examine this dire warning. It's important to understand when you look at these verses that he's referring here to the false teachers, not to those who are following. Some interpret it that way, but that's, that's not the case. The whole chapter deals with false teachers. He's, he's sort of bringing this to a climax. He's not about to change gears as he closes the chapter and, uh, and shift into another emphasis. He's been talking about the false teachers. This is a reference to false teachers. And Peter reveals that these false teachers are really apostates, which means that they at one time appeared to be believers in Christ. They said they believed in him, but now they've rejected the faith. It's 1 John 2.18. It's the same thing where John says uh, that, that they were once, they looked to be of us, but they removed themselves from us, that it might be evident that they are not of us. They've rejected the faith. But I want you to notice how Peter describes these men and how closely they resemble genuine Christians. See, the purpose of this chapter is to help us to be wise and not naive. You need to understand this. Peter describes them this way. First of all, he says, for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world. And it's not a thought here like they maybe did. They did escape the defilements of the world. At some point in their past, these men had some kind of religious experience. No question about it. And this religious experience brought a change in their lifestyle. That's what I want you to see. They did make changes. They no longer behave like pagans. On the outside, they look just like Christians, real Christians. In fact, They were so convincing that everyone in the church thought they were real Christians. They made them teachers in the church. And they could even date 
the change in their behavior to an understanding about Jesus Christ. Notice the next phrase. For after they have escaped the defilements of the world, by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, these men knew the gospel. Could you imagine? They they understood that Christ had died for their sins. Now, I want to think about that with you for a moment and raise this question. Is it possible for a person to know that Christ died for their sins, to say they believed at one time in Jesus Christ, to have some kind of outward change in behavior, put away old sinful habits, and yet not really be a Christian? Absolutely. That's exactly what Peter is saying. It is possible. It happens because that's Peter's teaching here. He's telling us that these people had a head knowledge of Christ. That is to say that they accepted intellectually Christianity. They embraced intellectually the facts of Christianity without making them personal, without applying them to their own lives. In other words, this kind of person knows the truth, but they never make a commitment to the truth. There's never a submission to the truth in Christ's lordship. And the changes that occur in their life, and they are real changes, but they're, they're, they're all outward stuff. They're, they're reforming stuff. It's a, they're no different than New Year's resolutions just outward changes. There's never an inward transformation of character. And folks, that's the difference between an unregenerate person and a true believer. A true believer, if you're a true believer, your character's been changed. And how do you know your character's been changed? Your motives have been changed. You have a different motivation. You want to please the Lord. You want to obey him. You have a different value system than before. Your values have have changed. Your values are coming into conformity to the word of God. Your desires to please the Lord, your intents, all of that, your ambitions, all comes under the authority of the word of God. Whatever God says, that's the direction of your life. Even if there are struggles along the way, and who doesn't struggle with that? But that's the difference. With an apostate, the changes in his life are all surface. They're they're superficial. They're, They're just outward stuff. They're the type of people who will tell you when you bring it to their attention all the things that they don't do now as if that proves that they're believers. I mean, I've had people say that to me. Well, I don't, I don't smoke anymore. I don't, I don't drink anymore. Listen, the Pharisees didn't smoke or drink either. What does that prove? But what, what do you do in terms of your character? I think the classic example of someone like this, a, a true apostate, is Judas Iscariot. And I bring him up because Judas, I think, will help to illustrate what an apostate really is like. Did Judas have knowledge of Jesus? Absolutely. He was with him for three years. We could say he even knew Jesus. He didn't love him. He didn't submit to him, but he knew him. He listened to the Lord's teaching, but he never really accepted them. He never submitted to them in his heart. His primary concern was for the honor and riches he thought he would obtain in the coming kingdom. But when it became apparent that Jesus was not going to establish his kingdom right now, and that the only thing ahead of Christ was the the cross, crucifixion, suffering, then, then Judas split. He was out of here. Judas turned then against Christ. He betrayed him for what was most important to him, what was always the most important thing to him, and that's money. Did Judas experience any change as a result of being with Jesus? Absolutely. He must have because all the other disciples, the apostles, thought he was one of them. Nobody thought Judas was anything other than an apostle. In fact, they so trusted him that they gave him the honor of keeping track of the money. He was the treasurer. You don't do that with somebody you think is a phony. 
In fact, let me, let me blow your minds with this. He was even involved in what we would call Christian service. Jesus sent the apostles out to cast out demons, to do miracles, and Judas was one of them. So don't be sucked into believing that it must be true because you see somebody uh, who's involved in, in a miracle or the supernatural. Judas did that. That doesn't validate that it's real. It's of God. But he was never a believer, never a believer. He was an apostate who pretended to believe in Christ for what he could get out of him, but he was never committed to the Lord. In fact, we know he was never a believer because of the strong statements Jesus made about him. Jesus said in John 6, 7, he called Judas a devil. John 6, 7, that's, that's fairly early in his ministry. In John 17, verse 12, he called him the son of perdition, which means the son of destruction. And he said to the father, I've lost none who you've given me except the son of perdition, meaning that Judas was lost to begin with. Jesus never lost him because he never had him. Jesus told his disciples one day, all of you are clean, but one. That was Judas. He was an unregenerate, lost man, an apostate, just like the false teachers that Peter was referring to. They too had some changes in their outward behavior that resulted from having some intellectual knowledge about Christ, but these changes were only temporary because eventually they returned to their old way of life. That's, that's just what the parable that Jesus gave about the sower. It's just temporary, just temporary. Notice verse 20 again. He says, for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. In other words, they are worse off now after rejecting Christianity than they were before they ever claimed to be Christians. What an incredible statement. Now, how does this work? How could someone be worse off? Well, you should know this. There are two tragic consequences for a person who sits in church and claims to know Christ but has never been saved. There's a great danger to coming to church if you don't know Christ. That may not encourage you to invite your friends, but I'm going to be faithful to the word of God and tell you about this. Number one, according to Peter, a person like this, when they walk away from Christianity, and he's talking about one who first claims to know Christ and then walks away, they become more entangled with sin than ever, more enslaved to sin than they were before. And I think what he's talking about here is there is a hardness of sin that, that uh, creeps in. There is a, a, a new hardening. Their, their, their hearts are stonier and rockier than ever that, to, to the gospel. In fact, they are so hardened to the truth that Hebrews chapter 6, and I believe this is the kind of people that uh, the writer was referring to, says that it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. That's how hard they have become. Hebrews chapter 6 confuses a lot of people, and they think that, oh, the writer is saying that a, a say person can be lost. No, he's talking about a person who has the highest level of enlightenment, who has even experienced something short of salvation. If that person at that level turns their back on Christ, then, then the writer tells us that it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. They'll never be saved. Never. They have so hardened their hearts that they will never have it softened again. And I really believe that is the, uh, the point and the meaning of what Jesus was referring to about the unpardonable sin in Matthew chapter 12. There are a lot of Christians who are very worried that they've committed the unpardonable sin. Let me tell you, a Christian cannot commit the unpardonable sin. 
The unpardonable sin is the sin of ultimate rejection of Christ. It is this type of sin. It is a hardening of one's heart. And the context there is the Pharisees, Jewish religious leaders, saw all the miracles of Christ, saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. They saw him perform miracles, cast out demons. Their conclusion was he was demonic. That's a hardened heart. And Jesus said, every other sin will be forgiven if you really come to believe in me, but not this sin, because this sin indicates that you'll never come to me. You've made your ultimate decision. That's the great danger. Great danger. And that's what Peter is talking about. They're worse off now than they were before because now they're hardened. At least before there might have been an openness, but now they're hardened. There's a second tragic consequence for a person who sits in church, claims to know Christ, but hasn't been saved. And it says, and I'm not sure that Peter in this setting is referring to this, but certainly the rest of the word of God brings this out. And he may very well in verse 21 be referring to this, but here's, here's the point. There is a stricter judgment for those who know the truth about Christ and reject it. Not only is life more difficult in terms of the enslavement and the hardness of, of their hearts, but when they die, there is a stricter judgment. Notice verse 21, for it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, that is Christianity, the truth about Christ, than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on. Turn away from what holy commandment? The gospel. I think he means just the general message of the gospel. Not one thing, but the general message. Those who know the way of salvation but reject it will experience a judgment worse than it would otherwise have been. That's the message of the New Testament. You may not have heard of that. I was talking with a young man recently and, and uh, a man who uh, sat in my office. One of our members brought him to me. We discussed the gospel. This guy could tell you the gospel. We discussed the word of God. He understood he was a sinner. He understood that Christ died for his sins. He understood that if he died that day, he would go to hell. And uh, he wasn't willing to surrender. And he said, I'll just have to take the consequences. And I said, you understand there's a stricter judgment for a person like you. And he said, no. I said, yeah. And let me show you a place. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Now this fellow, I don't think he believed me, but this is what the word of God says. Hebrews chapter 10. Notice verse 26. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. That is to say, if you go on rejecting Christ, you know all about Christ, you've, you've heard all that you need to hear, and you continually reject, 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 there can come a point in your life where God's not going to save you. You've reached a point of no return. Where that is on a person, I don't know. That's a dangerous place to be. He says, here's what remains, no longer sacrifice for sin, no longer salvation, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. That is to say, you disobey the law, you die, you're going to be punished. Verse 29, how much severe punishment do you think he will, he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, that is, Christ was sanctified, and has insulted the Spirit of grace. How much greater judgment is it for a person who knows about Jesus Christ, and yet in the words of the writer here, he has trampled underfoot the Son of God. He has just walked over him and said, I'm not going to surrender to you. 
Verse 30, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. And that's why the writer says it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. All who die without faith in Christ, the Bible teaches, will be judged for their sins. No one escapes that. But a severe judgment awaits those who know the truth about Christ but reject it. That's a, that's a sobering thought. This is why that very well-known radio speaker and uh, Bible teacher and former pastor, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, used to sometimes conclude his message by saying, and I quote, Friends, if you come in here, if you came in here today unsaved and you walk out of here unsaved, I'm the worst enemy that you ever had because you have heard the gospel and you can never go into the presence of God and tell him that you never heard the gospel. You've heard it and it will be worse for you than any heathen in the darkest part of the earth today. That's what Peter is saying. He's telling us that those who reject Christ after claiming to believe in him become more hardened and entangled in sin than they ever were before they identified with Christianity. And the rest of the word of God brings out there's a stricter judgment. That's why in verse 19, he said that they were slaves of sin. That's his whole point. Even though they promised freedom, now they're, they're beyond the hardness they once had. They're even harder. They're a slave of sin. They've, they return to their old way of life. Why do they return to their old way of life? It's because it's their nature. It's their nature that has never been set free. They live like that because that's all they know. You can only change so much on the outside. Then you're going to eventually show your true colors. And that's why Peter closes this chapter with a very fitting illustration about the true nature of apostates. He says in verse 22, it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to its own vomit, and a pig, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mire. Just as it is the nature of a dog to return and eat its own vomit, so it is the nature of an apostate false teacher to return to his own sinful way of life. Listen to me. You may love your little dog, as Michelle and I love our little puppy. You can put ribbons in their hair. You can paint their little toenails. You can bathe them. You can spray them. You can talk baby talk to them. But they are still a dog. And if that dog regurgitate what it eats and you're not around, it's licking it up. I know it's a gross illustration. It's a gross illustration on purpose because it's a gross thing that a false apostate, a false teacher does. They will return to their own sinful way of life, just like that that dog returns to its vomit. That false teacher may look different on the outside. They may dress like a Christian, whatever that may mean. They may talk like a Christian. They may appear to be a Christian, but eventually they're returning to the vomit of their old ways of life. And just as it's the nature of a pig to enjoy wallowing in the mud after she's bathed, So it is the nature of an apostate, false teacher, to wallow in sin. That's what they really enjoy. Listen, I don't know a whole lot about pigs. I know some people have them for pets. I can't imagine, but I I know that they they have them, and you can clean them up. You can paint their toenails. You can give them cute little names. You can wash them. You can spray them. But when they see that mud, that's where they're headed, because that's the nature of a pig. See, you can do all you want to a dog and a pig on the outside, but they'll never stop being a dog and a pig on the inside. 
and they will gravitate to what dogs and pigs love to do. It's the same thing with a false teacher. Their nature has never been changed. That's why they're going to gravitate to their sin, because they're in bondage to sin. That's the whole point. Let's bow for prayer. I want you to know, as we're quiet before the Lord, that the intent of this message is, is not to raise unnecessary doubts in a true believer's mind about their salvation. I don't want you to have doubts of your salvation. We all struggle as believers with, with our sin. But the difference with us and with those who are not believers but who claim to be is that we repent. We repent of our sin. We turn from it. We, we make changes in our lives. We confess our sins. We, we struggle, but we hate our sin. An apostate doesn't struggle with sin. He doesn't want to change. He makes excuses. He doesn't want to change at all. He's a slave to his sin. So, dear Christian, don't struggle with assurance, but I would say if a person is here who doesn't struggle with their sin and doesn't make any changes and never confesses their sin, but they claim to know Christ, then you do have to have a serious talk to the Lord about your relationship with him. You need to examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. If you have truly trusted Christ, there'll be a commitment to him. There'll be a submission to his authority. Otherwise, you are not a believer. You are not a believer, regardless of what words you prayed or, or what a pastor said to you years ago, or maybe your mom and dad said you're a believer because you prayed the sinner's prayer. The changes in your life must be internal, character-wise, motivational, not just outward stuff. I'm going to give you a few moments to think about this, to speak to the Lord. If you are not a believer, and yet you are in church week after week and know the gospel, then make today the day of your salvation, because tomorrow you may be too hard. That's why the writer to the Hebrews says, today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Why did he say that? Because your heart could be too hard tomorrow few moments for you to talk to the Lord, and then we'll close. Father, thank you for the grace of God. Thank you for the grace bringing us to Jesus Christ, giving us a new nature, Lord, that completely has transformed us. Lord, thank you that grace teaches us to deny the flesh and instructs us to live in a godly manner. And you give us the power to do that. But Lord, some are not like that. And I pray as a result of our study this morning that we will be less naive, more discerning than ever before, that we'll recognize that false teachers are not just off in their doctrine, they're off in their life, and they are slaves to their own sin, and they have nothing they could offer us of any value. I do pray that uh, for some here, Lord, who may struggle with their own assurance, may a message like today give them great assurance and, and, and encouragement as they examine their life and see that uh, there have been true changes on the inside, a true desire to obey you, a true hatred of their own sin, a true love for the brethren, a true confession and repentance. But Lord, there may be some who have heard the gospel all their lives, think that they're Christians, but they're not. There's never been a transformation of character. There's never been any real evidence of the fruit of surrender to Christ. No commitment to him. 
Lord, they may indeed be many ways like Judas, and I pray that you will deal with them before their hearts are too hardened. So, Lord, as we've studied this chapter, I pray that uh, you just help us to file it away in our thinking. May it be an integral part of the way we see things and uh, that we'll be different from this point on, more discerning than ever before about false teachers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus referred to his followers as his sheep. Peter likened the false teachers to pigs. It's interesting that pigs and sheep both get dirty, but the pigs delight in it. Christ followers still sin, but we don't delight in it. That is one of the evidences of conversion. You've been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse is one of the ministries at Lakeside. Find out more about us at versebyverseradio.org. Today's broadcast wraps up a series of lessons from 2 Peter chapter 2 about the dangers of false teachers. If you'd like to hear the whole series, go to our archives page and scroll down to The Dangers of False Prophets. A slightly different terminology on the web there, but that's the one to look for. The website again is versebyverseradio.org. Let me give you another web address, especially if you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind. You can receive a free audio Bible for your digital player by calling 800-838-5924 or visit www.blindbibles.com. I'm your announcer, Jerry Peterson, and our teacher is Pastor... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.